were always special notes written for the uplift and the care of the body of Christ. And that's what we see in the book of Galatians as he's writing to Galatia. The Bible says in verse 1, we'll read the first five verses of Scripture here. This is just simply stated, the opening salutation and the hope of glory. In verse 1, the Apostle Paul is reminding them of his apostleship and the authority by which it was brought to pass. You remember, as I spoke last week, some of the Judaizers were claiming that he could not possibly be as important as one of the apostles because he was, as today's terms of people would put it, a Johnny come lately. But he was a special apostle, sent and ordained of God himself. The Bible says in verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Remember there were somewhere around four or five different churches that the Apostle Paul had part in, and that's where he was writing these letters to. He opens up in verse 3, he says, Grace be unto you, and peace from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Our most gracious and divine Heavenly Father, Lord, as we bow before your throne this evening, we do so with thankful hearts. We're so thankful, dear God, that you're a God who left us thy word that we may learn from the old churches and from the men of old of the things that you want us to know. Lord, I pray that you will bless this service tonight, bless your people. Father, we pray that you will intervene in the hearts and minds of individuals. Lord, we're praying for the salvation of lost souls. We're also praying, dear God, tonight that you would bless your children. Help us tonight, dear God, to be a rejoicing children. For truly, we have much to be thankful for. Lord, even in these writings that your apostles sent to the different churches, there's so much that we can glean from. Lord, I pray that you'll bless us. Bless these studies. May they be that which will be encouraging to the saints and also that which will bring glory to your name. Lord, bless us this evening. Forgive us our sin in Jesus Christ's name and amen. To our dear Emmanuel, as we open this great study tonight, it is as is often done here in an opening and closing of any of our worship services. It's with the greeting of love and admiration and closing with the great hope of God's blessing upon His children. The Apostle Paul, who wished to let this people know of his credentials and just who had given him the knowledge of the truth. So as we open up tonight, I want to first of all look at this. I want you to notice his calling. 
in the first two verses of Scripture, you see the Apostle Paul as he announces his calling unto the ministry. It says, Paul, an apostle, he's stating his title, and now he's stating from whence that title came. Not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Listen, God had anointed this man's calling. And just as any true man of God today, God uses those whom he calls, not the self-called, so-called men of God, but the called of God. Or, or as I like to put it, you know, somebody asked me about my ordination and, and I, I'm really quick to make sure that you understand that a man of God, a true man of God is ordained by God. We are affirmed by the church in an ordination service, but a man of God, one who's truly called of God, is ordained of God. In other words, he is called by God himself into this ministry which he is a part of. And that's the same way it was with us. And, and, and you know, I've done everything in my power to get out of preaching. I've done everything in my power not to have this feeling in my mind and in my heart, the feeling of being led to something that it was, was so much more beyond what I could even imagine. The ministry. Being called into a particular ministry. And in Galatians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, we see here something that I want you to get a hold of. He says again, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, for I neither received it of men or man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now this is not a wolf in sheep's clothing here. This is not one of those self-absorbed sheep thieves. This here is a true man of God. And this is the one who only wants what's best for the sheep of the master's fold. Amen. That's what I want for the Emmanuel Mystery Baptist Church. And it's just like I told another preacher not too long ago. Listen, it ain't about us. It isn't about us. It isn't about the man of God. It's about the pleasure of God the Father and the well-being, the well-being of the church. Now, I want you to thought, stop and th consider this thought with me. In John chapter 10, the Bible states here about who the shepherd is. Now, there's a lot of men behind the pulpit this very night that are laying claim to God's authority and laying claim to God's power and laying claim to being one of the shepherds of the Lord's sheep. But I have you to know there's only one shepherd of the sheep. That's Jesus Christ himself. I myself am only an under-shepherd. What is, what is uh, uh, known as the under-shepherd or, or the leader of the flock. But know this, that any, any true man of God, as I said a moment ago, only wants what's best for the church of the living God. And sometimes those are things that are completely against our thinking. 
And sometimes it's things that's completely against our ideas. But when God has laid claim to a church, when God has laid claim to a people, He has His own means and ways of which to carry that work out. In John 10, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. He calleth his own sheep by name, and he leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. You know, there's some preachers who are only concerned with their own reputations. Now, Paul wasn't stating here about what he was or who he was for his own reputation. He was telling these folks here, this is who I am, and this is what God wants you to know, and this is how it's, how it's going to take place. There are those, as I said, who are only concerned with their own reputations, how they're going to look, how they are going to be perceived in uh, uh, how, how big a church is or how much money a church has or, or what they do or where they go. You know, sometimes that's all men worry about. Folks, you know what's best for the church of the living God? What God wants for them. Amen. I mean, whatever God leads the church to do, that is great and that's wonderful. Follow what the Lord's will is. But know this, sometimes if men are not careful, they will put themselves in a power and in a position to lead a church and sometimes that church is led astray with the shepherds who are, as what the Bible terms, they're not good shepherds. They'll do whatever it takes to fill the pew or pad their pockets. A true man of God is concerned only with the will of God for his life and the church of God, which he has allowed him the privilege to pastor. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12, again we go back to that uh, uh, persuasion series, persuasion of the heart series. And here the Apostle Paul once again is saying, I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Folks, I want you to know something. The Apostle Paul was persuaded in the heart that he was truly a real man of God. Now listen, there are those in the pulpits today that are not true men of God. There are those in the pulpits today who are doing everything in their power to only lift up themselves. And listen, again, I go back to what Paul was stating here in verse 2. Listen, he was not laying claim to any recognition, so to speak. He was telling them who he was, what he was, and what God wanted them to know. This is God's building, amen? I'm talking about, I'm not talking about these walls here and this roof and this floor and these pews. 
That's, uh, that's where the people of God meet. This is where God's building meets. What I'm talking about here tonight is not even the uh, uh, preacher Lybrook's church. You know, sometimes you hear people speak those things and, and, and I know what they're really meaning, but listen, it don't sound good. And, and most generally, I'll make sure that people understand, hey, that's not my church. That's the Lord's church. Amen. That's what we're here for. This is the Lord's building. A true man of God is concerned only with the will of God. So therefore, we need to understand that God Almighty is in charge of this people. You know, I was listening the other day to something that kind of caught me by surprise. And, uh, you know, maybe I need to investigate it a little more. You know, I was always under the understanding that uh, certain conventions held rule and sway over, over a congregation. Matter of fact, they're building uh, the people itself. But I got, to, I got to hear a man talk the other day that said that's not so. Listen, there are, there are, uh, are a people whose autonomy is, is set. And as far as uh, the church and the people, listen, that's all... That's all where they need to be right now. And I think about that and I thought, well, that's the truth. But listen, that's just like the Apostle Paul was going around and he was exhorting the people of the churches where he had been. He was not demanding certain things of them. He was leading them in the way that they should go biblically. It's not about me. It's not about anything that I have done. It's all about God and His perfect will for a body. In Nehemiah chapter 6, again, this is one of, my, one of my favorite books, and I go back and I think about this from time to time, where Nehemiah in chapter 6 is asked to do something. And it says in verse 1, Now it came to pass when Sambal and Tobiah and Geshem the Arabian and the rest of the enemies heard that I had builded the wall, and that there was no breach left therein, though at the time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, that Sambala and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, and let us meet together in some one of our villages in the plain of Ono. But they, sought, but they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work, so that I cannot come down, why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? We go on over to verse 16 and, and, and there at the bottom of that verse there at the very end it talks about the fact that the work, the reason why it's so successful. You know I've had people to ask me, what are you all doing? What kind of programs are you having there? And I said, listen, we don't have any kind of programs we we preach the word we sing the songs of praise we pray and we we worship and we enjoy fellowship with one another that's all i know that's the only program i know it's the same program that the apostles started with if you want to call it a program when the lord jesus christ set up his church and that's the way we are to keep it that's the reason why that i was preaching the other day listen we don't need to change a thing we don't have to accommodate the world. We don't have to accommodate the liberal. We All we have to do is stay on course, stay and stick to doing what we're doing, and God will bless because this work 
Listen, it's not my work. It's not your work. This work, the Bible says, is wrought by God. In other words, it is worked. That's what that word wrought means. It is worked by God. The Apostle Paul did a work, but God was the one who blessed it. Because just like here at Emmanuel, many men have worked the work all the way down to myself, but God wrought the work. In other words, He's the one who had His hands in the work. Amen? God has blessed His work here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we'll go over here and look at this real quick before I move on, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5, the Bible says, Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit. In verse 9, the Bible says, Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Oh, that men across this nation tonight would only realize that God's works are better off left to His creditation and not ours. Amen. You hear too much of that today. Oh, if it wasn't for me, this church would have collapsed a long time ago. You know, I've heard that. I've heard, I've heard men say, well, if it, wasn't for, if it wasn't for certain ones in the church, the church would never have made it. Listen then, you need to understand, you might be in the wrong kind of church. You might be in the wrong church altogether because when God's got a work going on and He's got His hands in it, listen, that's all that matters. That work's going to survive till the day that He brings it to an end or till the day that He calls us all home. Now secondly, we see an expression of hope and peace garnered by grace in Galatians in chapter 1 and verse 3. Notice what it says here, Galatians 1 and verse 3. The Bible says, Grace be unto you, and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the way that the Apostle Paul spoke to and about all of God's people. With the hope of the grace of God, which always promotes peace. You can go back to all the way back to, to the church at Rome when he was speaking to the Christians there. You can go through Corinth. You can go all the way to Ephesus and Philippi and Colossae and Thessalonica and all the way into First John and our second John. And there you see exactly how the apostle Paul spoke to every church. Listen, he loved the people of God. He loved the people of God. He loved seeing the good things happening to the people of God for the glory of God. All of these letters have a common goal. That is, to be an encourager to the churches of God and to give God all the glory. You know, any time that I'm asked to come and preach at a fellowship meeting, now a fellowship meeting is different from a revival meeting Sometimes revival meetings are a little bit uh, uh, what people may think are a little bit more hardcore. But uh, when you're at a fellowship meeting, you know one of the one things that you're supposed to be doing at a fellowship meeting? You're to be encouraging the saints. Wherever you're at, if they are a, a people of God, listen, you ought to be encouraging the saints of the living God. You're to be building up the hope of the saints is what I'm saying tonight. And you're to be... To be um, Showing forth the glory of God. 
I believe that's one of the great goals that we ought to have today. God is the reason for the success here at Old Town. And I say that this church is a success. Not because of anything I've done. Not because of anything men of old that have come before me have done. But because God is in the work. Folks, that makes all the difference. God being in the work. God doing the work. God doing a work in each and every one of us. That makes all the difference in the world when it comes to the house of God. This church does not stand on the backs of any past or present pastors. Now I want you to know that. And when I'm gone, when this pastor leaves this, this body, listen, my hope and my, my intention would be that the whole body would be benefiting when we leave. They'll still keep on keeping on. Amen. They'll stay with the work. Listen, that, that attributes all the, all the praise to God then. And that's what I want to see. You know, I, I've heard men, uh, I've heard men that were leaving on bad terms and, and they were saying, I heard a man say one time, well, I hope she falls, I hope the church just collapses down around them now. I don't. I want to see God's church blessed beyond measure after I'm gone. Amen. I want to see souls begin to be saved by the grace of God. I want to see these young people saved by God's grace. I want to see a, a miracle in every service. I want to see God blessing. Listen, that's the hope of a real man of God. And that's what the Apostle Paul was. He had that hope. He had that desire to see all of God's churches that he had been a part of. He had a desire to see God bless beyond measure. Listen. As I said a moment ago, this church does not stand on the backs of past or present pastors. We need to always remember that. This is God's work, amen? This is God's house. This is the work that God has wrought Himself. It's only by God's amazing grace that we are still here today, 103 years after the conception of this body. And it came... Across the hills right here. And it came across the hills from Salem. And, and Salem Baptist Church gave them permission and, and gave them authority to start a new work here. And she's been going ever since. And God's been blessing her ever since. Regardless of how hard the devil's fault. Burning down buildings. Having buildings collapse around them. Having uh, 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 the, the Bible, the altar Bible, whatever they call it. Having it cut to shreds and, and rocks thrown through the windows and fires set to the house. Listen, God is in this place. That's the reason why we're still here. We've come through a lot of tribulation, but God's still here. Amen. God is still doing the work. Listen, the man that follows this pastor, I want him to pick up right where we left off. I want him to pick up and I want him to keep going forward. I want him to keep on going and, and, and seeing to it that the church is receiving the blessings of God. How do you do it? You stay on track. You stay where you need to be. You stay doing what God wants you to do. Listen, again, it's only by God's grace that we're here tonight. Oh, may we always give glory where it rightfully belongs to God and to God only. Now, lastly, I want you to look at this. The Apostle Paul's deliverance of the reason for hope. In Galatians chapter 1 again, verse 4 and 5, the Bible states 
who gave himself for our sins, there is the beginning of the gospel. Folks, you cannot, you cannot see salvation without the gospel. You cannot see souls saved by the grace of God unless you're preaching the gospel. You cannot see souls saved by the grace of God unless you're giving them what's going to bring about that true change in life. Listen, it's not given to the church. It's not being baptized. It's not turned over a new leaf. It's not membership. I tell you what changes lives. It is the life of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That, my friend, is what needs to be preached behind the pulpit today. As I said... The Bible says this, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the present evil world according to the will of God the Father to, him, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now I want to stop right there and speak on this for just a moment. Right here in this one verse of scripture in verse 4, you not only see the glory of God in the gospel, but you see the glory of God in the rapture. You see the glory of God in His taking us all the way to heaven. And you see the glory of God coming to fruition with God, uh, with God pouring His glory upon His only Son. You know, in 1 Corinthians 15, it talks about the, the, the gospel of grace, the grace of the gospel. In, in, in verses 1 through 4, it gives you exactly what the gospel message is. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Romans 1, 16, the apostle Paul stated again to the Christians in Rome, he said he wasn't ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it was the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. You see, there is the kicker. Do you believe tonight? Do you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you believe that he, that he came and died and gave his life a ransom for you? Listen, to, to pay your sin debt. Do you believe that he gave his life up that you might have life and have it more abundantly? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, uh, uh, the Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. Jesus Christ and Him crucified, buried and risen again is the doctrine of salvation. And if you don't have that, you don't have anything. It's hard for a church to keep going if they don't have new life in it, amen? New life that changes them. New life that gives them a new want to. A new life that, that gives them a new direction. Listen, I want you to know tonight, that's what we have in the house of God here. And Paul was rec and Paul was commending uh, uh, the church at Galatia, and he was talking to them. Uh, listen, in just a little while, we're going to get to it. They were they were saved by the grace of God. Listen, they had they had been saved and, and doing a mighty work, but then somebody come in when Paul left, and they changed everything. Folks, that'll happen. You know what it takes to change a whole church? One generation, one preacher can change the whole church. That's the reason why you got to be careful. That's the reason why you got to be careful when you're calling a new pastor. You got to be careful about who comes in and stands behind this pulpit because a little a little uh, 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 mis misinformed information here can spread out into this whole body if we're not careful. That's the reason why you've got to be careful in calling a pastor. You've got to know that, it, that it's the right man, that it's the man of God that you need behind the pulpit. I was telling one of the members of another church that's, that's looking for a pastor, I said, listen, you've got to make sure you can't just, uh, just call anybody just to fill the pulpit. You've got to make sure, listen, if it's God's people, if it's God's church, you've got to be sure that it's the right man. 
You gotta call that man. You gotta, you gotta make sure that God has saved that man, number one. You gotta make sure that there's a life that's changed there. You gotta make sure that he still preaches and teaches the same doctrines that you have always had all of your life. Why? Because those old traditions matter, amen? People get hung up on that word. Listen, don't get hung up on that word. God used it in his book. And he told Paul, he said, you tell them people to keep to the traditions which they have learned. And you look that word traditions up and it is teachings. And that's what, that's what the word means. It's the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ and the first church. Listen, you stick to it. You know that, that that's important. Listen, you're, this church does not have to uh, uh, compromise on anything to get a new pastor in this building. You don't compromise. You don't compromise the Word of God. You know, the very, the very first time you start compromising on this and that, and you'll have a, you'll have a church that's going to be very soon, the candlestick's going to be pulled from. If you ain't got no candlestick, if you ain't got the Holy Spirit in the house of God, listen, you're no more than a country club. It's important, it's vitally important that you make sure, you make sure with all that's in you, that God's man is in the pulpit, amen? You make sure. You call, you call meetings, and you do whatever it takes. You, 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 uh, you get in here and you quiz the man of God. You get in there and you ask him questions. You want to make sure that's, that's true and honest and, and that God wants to, uh, to carry on with. Listen, I don't compromise on the word of God. And listen, you don't compromise on God's book either. This is the only book you need. The old King James Version is the book that's, going, that's got you this far. It's the book that'll take you all the way to heaven. Folks, you gotta realize this here is the word of God for God's people today. And we need to stick to it, amen? We need to stick. I, I, you know, I don't have, I'm sorry. I don't have any, uh, I don't have any, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I don't know what you said. I still don't understand. Anyway, you know, I know I've made a couple men upset here. Not, not here in the church, but a couple preachers that come in and they were carrying an a NIV book. I said, you can't use that in my pulpit. And they got very upset with me. And they, I said, you ain't getting my book, but I'll tell you what, I've got a hardback here I'll let you have. And, and they couldn't even read out of it. That's a shame, you know. It is a shame. That's what happens in pulpits today where you, where you get weak preachers. Listen, stay with the stuff. That's all you got to do. Stay with the stuff. And God will bless you. Let's all stand, please.